Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. To card or not to card. I'm not talking about your underage kid getting online at a bar. I'm talking about holiday cards. That is our holiday showdown. Today, do you send cards? Please join us on X slash Twitter. Do you send cards? We want to know. Right now, 63% of you say no. Wow. Tori Van Oot. I know, that's a lot. That's shocking it's that high, actually. I agree. Mm Mm-hmm. Tori's joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline, as she does on Tuesdays with Tori, which I love that name. And, um, Tori, do you send cards? I mean, do you do anything? You have a toddler. I can't imagine you have time for anything else. But do you send out holiday cards? I love holiday cards. And every single year I resolve that I am going to send holiday cards. And I have not gotten to it in years. Yep. But this is the year. Stand by. Oh, God I bless you. To the doing studio. I'm God doing it. You. I just have to get a picture. <laughs> but it's easy when you have a toddler or young kids. It's like that's the no-brainer. I'll just put my kids on the card. That's all I could just show. put him on it. Yeah, but you know, I want the dog in it, and he's blind. It's all very complicated. So, oh, uh, we'll get it done. We'll get it done. Here, here's a here's a here's something. We I think maybe all of us could do. How about this? We we send out holiday cards with all uh, six possibilities for the new Minnesota State flag, and then we have people circle the one that they like the best. And then send it back in because that will give us an accurate picture. I, I, I know you've covered this flag story, and now we've got the public yeah. comment period open where people can react to it. I'm going to be, uh, I'm on it, and I know that this is a controversial thing. That you know, there's certain groups of people that didn't want the flag to change. Why do we have to change everything? Blah blah blah. And then there's, but I thought that there'd be a more positive reaction to the at least the six finalists that were chosen. Do you find it surprising? Am, am I reading that wrong? Have you, <laughs> have you been finding positive reaction? Well, what I would say, Adam, is I don't know what kind of conversations happened around your Thanksgiving tables. I, I will say yeah. that Twitter or X, as it's now called, is not real life, right? So we I, saw a lot of snark. People you know, tell me that, but I don't know. But I don't know. Oh, I think no. Twitter, in this case, X is real life. We will see. We'll see. I mean, some of the people at our Thanksgiving dinner thought that, you know, thought they were kind of snazzy, some of them. You know, others they didn't like so much. There has been a lot of critiques. Um, some people saying, wait, did we really need to change the flag off at all, given these? There are others that like some of them, right? And what we do know is that experts in flags, there is such a thing, do say oh, that kind of the gold standard is a flag that is... Um, you know, clear, not too busy, easy to replicate or draw. And many of these do meet that criteria. Of course, there were a lot of fans of the loons, the loon designs, and there's not any really obvious loons. So one of them, the one with kind of the almost like river-like yep. swirls, um, mm-hmm. that is apparently there's a hidden loon in there. It took me quite a while to see it. But if you look at it closely, there is. And so, you know, uh, people... I I would ask how many of these people who have very strong opinions on these new designs could have even identified the flag before, <laughs> but, but now that they're out there, you know, and, and this is part of the process, right? They want public comment. 
And as, as you mentioned, the commission that's been created to redesign the flag and the seal, people are less worked up about the seal for whatever reason. Um, you know, they're accepting public comment now online and you can put in whether you like it or not. And I think their next meeting is in a little over, it'll be about two weeks. Um, and they're, they're trying to come up with it by the end of the year. So we'll see what they pick. And, and they can, the one note, if people don't like the, these, you know, these finalists, they don't have to just pick one of these six and, you know, put it up the mast, right? They may combine elements of them or change color oh, okay. schemes. And That's so what I was going to ask you. They so. have a little bit of liberty. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we'll see. I, for you know, one. Ben, you know, go ahead, Jordana. What do you think about them? Yeah. I don't want to think about it, Tori. This whole flag <laughs> fiasco. I just want to be done. Pick a flag, move on. It's whatever. Hopefully you can make a t-shirt out of it because it'll be better than the racist one we used to have. I'm over the flag, Tori. Got to be honest. Yeah, I mean, this is the sort of thing that people just like to like to get excited about. And flags, you know, flags are symbols, right? They matter. And they're, you will see them in the background of all sorts of events and flying on state buildings. And so, um, but, but again, if, it will be over. It could be over before too long, Jordana, because they, you know, they have to come up with this design. They've got to pick their designs by the end of the year, this uh, commission created by the legislature. And unless the legislature pulls together, together the votes to veto it, to override it, mm-hmm. the flags um, begin to fly next I, year. So I, I, I want to stretch it out. Weeks. I think we should stretch no. this out another year. Oh. Maybe make it so so it becomes a campaign issue for all the House of Representative candidates next uh, next fall. Yeah, you know, do know. it every two years, yeah, right? You can right. just rotate just a new flag. It. I think the governor yeah. made that joke last week. But the governor did say that, you know, when we asked him about it last week at his turkey non-pardon, when they present the turkey, because mm. we don't pardon the turkey here in Minnesota, uh, he said, that he was really heartened, actually, to see all of the debate and discussion because he felt like it was a sign of Minnesotans being engaged. So, uh, for better or worse, yeah. we, we all yeah. have many feelings about the flag. So, uh, but something the debate will continue. Uh, something to talk about over, you know, the Hanukkah and Christmas holidays too. So, uh, helps with that. So. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. And Tori, one of you, Adam, I think you mentioned all the congressional districts. Let's talk about that, because in the past week, and I don't know if it's since we talked to you last, you know, Dean Phillips has announced that he will not run for his seat. You know, he's going to run for president, but he will not run in his congressional district. Was it a surprise? Was it a a graceful way to back out of politics? Like, is he over it already? What are your thoughts on this? Um, it wasn't particularly surprising. It's always going to be a little bit of a tricky dance to run for president and, you know, turn around and run for your seat mm-hmm. if your presidential campaign doesn't work out. There's a little bit of a timing question, too, with, you know, when or if your presidential campaign doesn't work out, when are you going to drop and other candidates, you know, need to get in and get running. Um, and, you know, he has acknowledged that his bid for president and challenging Joe Biden has not made him many friends within his own party and his comments within Congress. And so I think things were getting a little tougher for him. So he's solely focused on his presidential run now. Um, 
you know, the, what it could do is it could, this is a district that was a swing district and it was held by Republicans until Congressman Phillips flipped it for the first time in decades in the Western suburbs in 2018. So the question is, with the incumbent who's won by pretty healthy mar- margins out of the picture, does it become a c- competitive seat? Because right now the second Angie Craig, Congresswoman Angie Craig's seat over, uh, you know, South and East Metro, mm-hmm. that's, that's the only one that's really competitive. Um, we'll see. I mean, the West Metros have been trending blue. Other candidates up and down the ticket have performed pretty well over there. And so far we haven't seen a strong uh it's only been a couple of days since Congressman Phillips announced if he had been in the race, I think the Republicans wouldn't even really try to put somebody serious up for it. Now they may, but the question is, can they get any takers? Um, one plausible candidate, Jim Schultz, he was the Republican nominee for attorney general in 2022. He uh, came very close to defeating incumbent attorney general Keith Ellison. He's got a lot of statewide prospects. The Republicans think he told me this morning he's not running. Uh, he's ruled it out. He's someone who lives in the district. So, you know, we'll see if if anybody jumps in. Yeah, that that that's what I was going to ask you about the competitive competitiveness of it uh, right. with, without Dean in the race, and I guess how important then his endorsement would be. Uh, you know, you got Ron Harris uh, who's announced uh, yep. he's both Democrats as well as uh, Kelly Morrison, a state senator. Yep. Um, that's it'll be interesting to see whether how Republicans view that race and whether or not they feel like they can make some hay in that in that district. Mm-hmm. And some of it may depend on the candidate, which candidate wins yep. the Democratic endorsement. Congressman Phillips indicated to the Star Tribune uh, when he announced that he's not running again, that he was not planning on endorsing, uh, kind of wanted an open competition for his seat. There's a possibility that other Democrats will also jump in now that he's out. Secretary of State uh, Steve Simon has said previously that he was maybe looking at it, but would, you know, depend on if Congressman Phillips was in or out. So, you know, all eyes right now, the competitive race is for the Democratic endorsement and then the Democratic nomination. Whether Republicans can find somebody uh, and feel like they can really put up a race is to be seen. They may decide that that's not a good place to spend their money if it doesn't look like based on the numbers, based on the demographics that's in, in play, really, you know, they want a good enough candidate to carry state legislative candidates, right, who are running for control of the state house in that area. So they need somebody good to be on the ballot to kind of draw out voters, help the whole ticket. But they may decide that their money is better spent, better spent elsewhere um, in, in the next year's election. I was reading in your newsletter this morning, uh, Nick has a story about Mayor Fry losing um, an ally on the city council, Emily Kosky. Can you share with the listeners a little bit about this? Yeah, so Councilwoman Emily Kosky represents Ward 11, and she was kind of seen as a allied on various issues with the mayor. They kind of campaigned together in 2021. But of late, we've noticed that she's taken a number of high-profile positions or votes uh, on the opposite side of the mayor. So most recently was last uh, right before the holidays when the city council rejected the mayor's proposal to uh, spend $15 million on bonuses for officer recruitment and retention for MPD officers. Uh, she had a different um, plan than his preferred pick for the third precinct station. There was another vote on the roof depot building that, that she was uh, on at odds with him over. So, you know, they th- these two are kind of not seeing eye to eye and kind of splitting. And I think it did take some of the mayor's allies 
uh, definitely they've, they've, they've noticed it. And the intrigue here is, uh, you know, her moves are fueling speculation that she may be positioning herself to run for council leadership, president, or, or maybe mayor, or maybe even mayor. Oh, um, either whether this is open dun, or dun, dun. So a little bit of a, a rivalry here. Uh, she told Nick uh, that she has no plans, you know, at this time, she's not planning on running at mayor. Of course, it, with all politicians, uh, the, at this time, Whatever. always does a lot of work. Things can change. Um, but she also, uh, she did say that, you know, she people had reached out to her about council leadership posts and that she um, was open to having conversations. So the intrigue, but, you know, the big why it matters here is, of course, as we've talked about in the November elections, the mayor lost his slim, moderate majority on the council. So the progressives have a majority. Kosky was um, previously considered kind of on the, usually on the moderate camp side. So if he's lost his majority and then he also loses her, it's going to be even tougher for him to get um, things through or to... Um, you know, prevent a veto-proof majority from overriding him on on topics that he disagrees with. So it definitely complicates things for the mayor in the next year. Tori, uh, we've got about a minute left, so quickly. Oh. Uh, you know, it's been a while since we've had a uh, sports team in this town come hat in hand yeah. to the state capitol saying, we need a new stadium or we need some upgrades, but it sure sounds like the wild are headed in that direction. The Wild have been taking meetings. I actually confirmed this just a little while ago earlier this morning that they did meet with uh, their state, you know, St. Paul State Senator who chairs the bonding committee. And so they're starting to kind of uh, circulate word that they may be looking at renovations of um, XL and that they may be looking for a little state assistance uh, when it comes to paying for those renovations. So we'll see unclear at this point if it can come together in time for the next legislative session. Republican votes are needed for bonding. That's borrowing to, for, you know, public infrastructure construction projects. And Republicans had an icy reception to it. Said we love hockey, but we're not sure if this is a great use of taxpayer money uh, so far. So uh, we'll keep watching early stages, but um, expect those uh, arena debates yeah. to come up next session. Yeah, I'll bet because I think most people look at the XL Energy Center still, you know, still seems like pretty nice arena. That uh, you know, when you look at the Target Center, it's like okay, upgrades needed, but the uh, XL Center seems still to me to be pretty. Yeah, it's pretty nice to me. Yeah, Tori, you're the best. Thank you so much, we'll and good luck with those yeah, uh, holiday we'll, cards. We'll I will not hold cards. you to it. But <laughs> Thank you. I like All the right, aspirations. We'll be watching the mailbox <laughs> for your cards. Thank you. Eleven forty eight. It's our random review, and it's not so random. Because we picked it yesterday, uh, we'll recap it next on CCO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.